0: Hello, my name is Ipsa and I have a very special announcement to make. We're joined here today and hopefully many times after with Inspiring Youth Talk's official co-host, Vanessa Finerty. Together we want to spend the next few months exploring topics such as culture, language and careers. But first I want to welcome Vanessa to the podcast. Hi Vanessa. Hi Ipsa. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing super well. Um, I know we're going to be learning a whole lot about you in the upcoming few weeks and months, but I wanted to ask you, what is one thing you want our audience to know about you? I would
1: say the one thing, my biggest hobby is sewing. I really like sewing. That's just something sort of fun to know about me.
0: (laughs) I think sewing was up on my um, quarantine need to learn list. Yeah. I didn't do it.
1: <laughs> that's okay. I mean, did did any of us do anything on our quarantine need-to-learn list? Mm,
0: okay. That took a dark turn.
1: I I said I was going to learn to sew during quarantine, except I already knew how to sew. And that was the only thing I did successfully do.
0: Wait, can I say that I wanted to learn how to paint before quarantine?
1: That's, that's good. Did you learn? I did. Hey, that's good!
0: Okay, and one fun question for you. What is one misconception you had about introversion growing up?
1: I think it was that growing up, definitely that sort of introverted people were that way by choice, you know? So like someone who didn't like being around people was just standoffish. They didn't like you personally, um, as opposed to just sort of being that way. But I think when we're younger, we just, you know, we don't understand other people that well. We don't empathize with them as well.
0: Yeah, an introversion is such a complex topic, you have an idea of what they are, but they can be the complete opposite and it's the same with extroversion. The reason that was our startup question is because today's podcast is centered around being new to Canada and tools to help you kind of learn to integrate a little bit more, learn the language a little bit faster, do all that stuff that helps you get where you need to in a shorter amount of time. And so one thing that me and Vanessa have talked about and we think really helps in that process is it's just being a little more, you know, willing to try new things, willing to put yourself in situations you might be uncomfortable in. And so my question for you Vanessa is do you see yourself more as an introvert or an extrovert?
1: I would say I definitely see myself as an extrovert like Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, I love being around people. I love talking to people. Um, quarantine trip cr- absolutely crazy. Yeah, definitely an extrovert. How about you?
0: I can totally see that for you. I'm an introvert. <laughs> you totally guessed it. Crazy. <laughs> <Great. laughs> but that's awesome because now we're kind of we're gonna be able to reflect on our experiences and contrast and compare, like in high school, <laughs> which is great. But growing up as an extrovert, see, now I just want to learn about what that was like because I do not have that experience.
1: Um, Honestly, I want to say it was easy because it was easy. It's just, I don't know. I feel like being a child who likes getting to know people and, you know, just like sort of going out there and like being a child who enjoys leaving the house, you know, it's a quality that's definitely praised. Um, And I feel like it sort of afforded me more opportunities so that's something that was really nice and I don't know like I'm gonna be honest I don't know that much about introverts so I am also curious like what was your experience growing up as an introvert
0: my experience was a lot of people telling me I was very shy which it's shy in itself is not a very um, it's not a negative term by any means but growing up if you are the person that's constantly be to- being told that they are something that they don't really identify with, it's a little disheartening. Because at times it felt like no matter how loud I was speaking, no one could hear me.
1: Well, it's also, I think, kind of bizarre when people, you know, sort of point out things about you. Especially if you're a child, you know, like you're being told, oh, you're shy, I've noticed that you're shy, I've noticed that you don't talk that much, like, no, don't notice. Don't, yeah. don't notice things about me. <laughs> Leave me alone, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: it's like, oh, really, tell me more about myself. I didn't know this.
1: I, I had no idea.
0: Yeah. I it just comes from a place of they maybe don't know or they don't didn't understand introversion. Because a lot of this came from peers, but I wanna take that back. A lot of it came from teachers actually. Like I remember mm. just you know, those dreadful parent-teacher meetings you'd always have where you'd go over and discuss your marks and all that fun stuff with your parents.
1: Hey.
0: I hated that. That was probably, like, my worst experience growing up. Just all of them collectively, all the meetings. Because it was always the same things over and over again. And being put in that position, you don't really know how to say anything back. It's like, you're trying to defend yourself, but you don't have the words to say it.
1: Honestly, I actually really enjoyed parent-teacher readings (laughs) growing up, I did, Um, because I feel like one of the big sort of tenets, introversion versus extroversion, is sort of how comfortable you are with yourself in relation to other people, not just like how comfortable are you with yourself, like, you know, you're a bit more, I don't want to say shy, but shy, and you're not as comfortable sort of defending yourself or saying like, yes, I did that, or yes, I didn't do that, because it's someone else who you don't normally talk to saying, oh, you know, you did this, you did that, so for me, I could go into class, or I could go into, you know, my parent-teacher conference, my teacher would be like, you know, this is a joy to have in class, but she needs to learn how to let other people talk, and you're like, yeah, maybe, but it's not, I don't know, it wasn't, as big of a problem for me growing up although I will say I feel like one issue you can have as a child if you're an extrovert is you know being extroverted doesn't mean that you can't feel shame all of a sudden you know you're not just like absolutely unashamed so sometimes I'd like interject myself into a conversation and my teacher would be like Vanessa don't do that it's rude you know and I think if you're extroverted, people perceive you to feel like a little bit less sensitive and I am remarkably sensitive. So, um, you know, that's not really true. So I think sort of authority figures thought that they could be a little bit more sort of rough with me and be like a little more aggressive and I'd be fine. And it wasn't so much, you know, water off a duck's back. It was still kind of like hurtful. And you were like, oh, you know, I didn't know I was doing something wrong.
0: That is my favorite phrase. And I love that you use that so casually.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I just, I like that.
0: And I think what it really comes down to is just stereotypes, right? Like, mm-hmm. an introvert's quiet, so they're going to be shy. The extrovert is loud, so they can kind of be pushed more.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it also, I mean, I think it also definitely comes from sort of a lack of understanding of other people, you know? Like, you're never, you're never going to be inside another person's head. You're you yourself are always going to be up here, right? You're never going to see the world through another person's eyes. So it is important to develop sort of empathy as a skill. Um, but it's so easy to just sort of have a perception of someone or make an assumption about someone without really thinking about it. Even if you're normally very mindful of that stuff, it's so easy to do.
0: Yeah, and that's an excellent point you bring up because you you don't know what someone else is going through. Like for me personally, if I, if you were to ask me now, you know, what's a misconception I had and I answered that it was that all introverts are shy, I'm a little more open to the idea now that maybe, maybe I was really shy before, but I think with age comes this confidence that, you know, I know I'm generally an agreeable person. And with that just comes a, a a term of likability, to be honest because people aren't so much of, they're not as worried about what they're talking, what they're saying in front of you or whether you're going to disagree or not, right? So they're a little more open to talking. And so because of that, I'm a little more comfortable with not needing to seek out social interactions. And I know that it's more of a choice I make based off of the situation or even my current mental state. Whereas before I would just kind of be like, no, I don't want to do this because I'm shy. And you're kind of putting yourself into that self-imposed box.
1: I think I think another thing, and I mean that's definitely true, I think it's also like as you get older you sort of become more considerate of other people, like you're less sort of inside your own bubble, you know that other people have feelings and you're, you're more aware of those feelings, so I think it makes it easier to interact with, you know, let's say you're an extrovert, it makes it easier to interact with someone who's more introverted because you know that, you know, if they're shy or they they don't sort of have the same social battery as you. It's not a personal insult towards you because they're just sort of intrinsically different from you. And the same, you know, same if you're an extrovert, like if you say something, you know, that you didn't fully think out or di- you did something that, you know, just isn't super polite, people will sort of be more understanding, where right? I think when we're younger, we don't have that same sort of understanding and consideration for other people.
0: It's just um, you realize something, you might say it, you might regret it later. It's a cycle. And I think you're right when with age comes this this idea that you're not the only one that matters, as harsh as that may seem. You might be the only one that matters to you, but you kind of are better at looking at the grand scheme.
1: Yeah, well, like when, you know, when I was younger, just sort of from an extrovert perspective, I didn't really understand that, you know, I want to, like, talk, talk, talk all the time and, like, I want to be around other people all the time and, you know, I want those people to talk to me as well, so why don't other people want the same thing? Like, why don't they want me to talk to them all the time? Why don't they want to, like, come over to my house, invite me over to their house, like, have social gatherings all the time? Have social gatherings, like, to the extent that a seven-year-old can have a social gathering, but... uh... But yeah, I think like with age, you understand that it's because those people aren't exactly like you.
0: I also think with, first and foremost, I want to say as an introvert, you're like, in theory, my best friend because, oh my god, in math <laughs> math class classes, it has always been my doom. It was always the extroverts that would always answer questions. I think it's with every class. But.
1: I would answer questions, yeah.
0: Saved my life so many times. So get
1: oh. on. Here. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I, in school, like it didn't matter finding the answer. The hand was up. It was too late. They would like, they would ask a question, right? And this is like kind of weird because they would ask a question and my hand would already be up. And I wouldn't really have thought about the answer. So they'd like call on me and I'd be like, oh, okay. Uh, like what were we talking about? And. Yeah. It's just, it's just, <laughs> habit where you're like I got yes you're it's not even like oh I know the answer it's like yeah I want to talk in front of the class
0: and then you're just spilling your deep dark secrets oh yeah
1: no absolutely
0: (laughs) also as an extrovert I always hear all these stories and I don't know if it's the same for you but it's so hard to wrap my mind around this concept of
1: constantly wanting to talk (laughs) it's so easy to wrap my mind around that (laughs)
0: But like for you I'm sure it's a weird idea that like my social battery will run out so quickly
1: yeah no so my boyfriend is an introvert right I don't know what's wrong with them I'm kidding um but I'll be like oh you know we're like we can go to a party this night and then we can go to another one tomorrow night and then we can do like you know we can gonna go see our friends on the weekend and we're gonna go see our friends on Monday too um he's like absolutely not you yeah. know like absolutely not I'll be like oh you know We all have like gone to our friend's house, you know, the night before. And I'd be like, oh, do you want to go see this friend, you know, today? And he's like, why would I do that? You know, I've just seen people. I don't need to see more people, Um, which I don't know. It's just crazy to me.
0: What's cool about the scale of introversion and extroversion is based off of where you fit into it. You can be maybe not even dependent on the scale, to be honest, but you can be so, so different in regards to your your tolerance for social activity as an introvert, just based off of the people you're surrounded with. Because mm-hmm. if I don't know you or if the vibes are off, like I found myself vibing with people that I've never spoken to before. And so I think it's it's just you mix well with a person. But there are some people where I will happily give them my entire weekend, like every second of my weekend. And then with the wrong people, it's like even, speaking with them for like two minutes will just drain me completely.
1: I think honestly, yeah. Like the scale of the spectrum is so real. I I used to have a friend and I consider myself very extroverted, but when I'm with her, I'm not even extroverted because she, we went to Tim Hortons. She would like have a new best friend from the cashier. I don't even know how, like she would just talk to these strangers right? Which is insane to me. Like, I'll talk to strangers, but not like in that sort of like sane, friendly way. Like she would, she would meet someone. She'd be like, you know, oh, like, oh, you're from the Philippines. I went there one time. It was so beautiful. You know, like, how are you finding it here? How are you finding the winter? And it's like this person she's never met in her life. She's like, oh, your shoes are gorgeous. You know, I love that necklace. And they'd be like talking to her too. And like telling her like details about their personal lives and everything. And I was like, how do you do that? like how...
0: Compliments.
1: Oh yeah, no, absolutely. But I was like, damn, you know?
0: Yeah, this is gonna... I don't even know if I should put this out there, but when I was entering high school, I went to a high school that was completely different from where all my other friends were going. Um, So I wasn't going to my home high school, essentially. And so remember being so nervous the weeks leading up to my first day that I would just Google, how do I make friends? I'm so panicked. And so the the one thing that would keep popping up is like, people love talking about themselves, people love being complimented. And it seems like that's kind of what your friend was going off of as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it was like a superpower. I, it's funny. Um, you're, you're just talking about, you know, going to a new school, I went to six schools from kindergarten through high school six schools changed five times and honestly i looked forward to it every single time like i was just so like really really extroverted as a child i it was weird because i wouldn't leave my old school and be like oh no all my friends are gone it was like i'm going to a new school and i know i'm gonna make friends so why even worry about it
0: i similarly have moved schools quite a bit um not for a little kind of for locational purposes here and there. I started to adopt that mentality towards like my later years. So for example, I've moved universities twice. Um, I've moved elementary schools twice and Mm -hmm. high school was the only time I stayed put. I really did force myself into the mentality of, you know what, (laughs) actually I'm very toxic when it comes to this. And I'm like, I'm
1: never gonna see these people again time to make my new friends that's good like like how is that a bad mentality to have it's not a bad mentality to have right like I don't know I feel like it's not like elementary and high school that you have to be worried about it's it's post-secondary because elementary school and high school you're you're sort of like shoved together you have to be together anyway so you have to make friends at some point but you do not have to make friends in university you know and that mm -mm, scares me.
0: How do you, do you have any troubles finding friends in university or? Uh,
1: Me personally, during Zoom, yes. Yeah. Um, The second we got off Zoom, no. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I feel, I really feel for anyone who's, you know, started university during COVID, mainly because I started university during COVID, but also, I mean, it's just, it's so difficult to make friends in that context because it's not like you're even seeing each other. You're you're online, so that interaction becomes so much less sort of natural, right? You're just, like, you have to actually message someone. You're not just, like, chatting in class or chatting during the break. You're on Zoom. You have to message someone and, like, find them on Instagram, which is weird.
0: And no one wants to, like, stay back after class just to, like, hang out with you. Yeah.
1: I don't want to stay back after class. Not on Zoom. I don't want to go get a snack.
0: But I also, <laughs> I don't know if this has to do with being an introvert or just being a human, but I also like the idea of messaging classmates.
1: Oh, yeah, me neither.
0: And like finding them off of Instagram, like you mentioned. I'm like, I'm not doing all that.
1: Yeah, no, it's just, I don't know. It feels, honestly, it feels kind of like an invasion of privacy for them, right? Because right? like when you're at school, you're both physically there, you're both like physically together but you know if you're messaging someone you're sort of intruding on them you know like there's no there are a very limited number of sort of like natural ways to do that you have to take like an active step which i think can feel sort of like an intrusion how
0: would you say would be for someone who is trying to get to make friends they're you know they're university friends but they haven't met anyone in person yet what would you say would be the best way to kind of reach out and make a friend
1: i would say joining like school groups on discord and stuff like that that's how i made any friends in my first year of university um by joining like the discord groups or like the group chats for my classes because that way you can sort of talk to each other in a more like natural way i feel like you can you know, you can talk about assignments, you can talk about, like, your classes and everything. And another weird thing, by the way, about meeting people on Zoom is, like, if you're messaging them, you're messaging them in front of your professor, which is weird, right? Like, oh, it's, it's, like have, it's like you're having a conversation with them, like, two feet away from your professor. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, my advice to anyone who's still doing Zoom University, um or who's doing like zoom school at all is don't rely only on like the zoom classes to make friends definitely join like group chats course groups stuff like that and you will make way more friends.
0: yeah and one thing that and this goes for again like you're saying all students that are doing any form of online schooling so even high schoolers but as much as you don't want to wake up to that 8 a.m class and turn on your camera and look presentable. Honestly, that's the best way you're gonna kind of look like you're easy to reach out to. Yeah, yeah. As someone who doesn't look like they would be easy to reach out to, (laughs) because I'm always just like, the entire time in class, and I'm very aware of the fact that I come off as not easy to approach. And so just turning on that camera, kind of forcing yourself into a more relaxed state, no matter what that looks for you, might just make it easy for a person who is comfortable with messaging want to reach out to you.
1: Honestly, that's true. And Blake is going to know what I'm talking about because I know he's listening. Um, when I was in my first year, Kiara, who is a mutual friend of ours, actually like reached out to me through Zoom and everything. She's like, oh, you're on campus. I'm on campus. We should meet up for bubble tea. And I was like, oh, thank God. Because I didn't want to do it. Like, I didn't want to be the first person to message. So like, there definitely are people out there will message you on class or like who are in your class will message you online you don't necessarily have to be that person who will reach out but if you're there it gives other people the opportunity to reach out to you right yeah
0: which is interesting you say that because i would have figured you would want to be the first one to reach out
1: to be honest i tried a few times so this was in my second semester in my first semester i tried a few times to reach out to other people and it just it didn't really work like we're kind of standoffish and like they didn't want to talk or anything they just i don't know they kind of gave off the vibe that like they are not here to make friends yeah um yeah so that sort of like put me off of like reaching out to people through my online classes um
0: well there you have it extroverts can be put off from doing something
1: (sighs) oh yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) But this kind of leads into something even larger, I want to bring into the discussion, which is this idea of moving to a completely foreign country. And so kind of all these barriers that we're talking about right now, like online schooling, maybe not being as extroverted as your neighbor who strikes up conversations every time you walk outside. That neighbor's do that I really don't like that. But (laughs) but now you don't know the language and you don't know the, the cultural significance of for example, hockey, because you moved to Canada, and we like hockey a little too much up here. How do you think people that are intro, and I want to know this because you aren't introverted, but how do you think the introverts can really push themselves into these new situations and and use this to kind of benefit them more than hinder them from being, from learning about a culture that they're not totally familiar
1: with? Well, first of all, Um, I would like to note I was born in Canada and I still don't really understand hockey. Uh, (laughs) um, But for a more serious answer, I would say sort of it helps if you're in school. It genuinely does because that way you have sort of a medium to make friends with people your age. And, you know, if you've just come to Canada, there absolutely will be people in your classes who, you know, want to talk to you, want to make friends with you, who don't necessarily mind that you, you know, maybe don't know that much English. Um, I will say it also does help a lot if you have teachers who are nice. And I know this touches on like a whole different issue, but like there are genuinely, not a lot, but some teachers in Canadian high schools, at least in my experience, who, don't really care to sort of put in the effort for students who are new or who are just learning English. So I think it's important to sort of like connect with if you're in high school to connect with your teachers who are willing to help you because there absolutely will be teachers who are willing to help you. There absolutely will be teachers who you know also moved to Canada when they were young. So I think my my most important advice honestly is like this will pass you know, like, you will, you will make friends, you will sort of adapt more, I think the key, or the best advice I can give is just sort of stick with people who are willing to sort of, not so much are willing, don't mind that you've just moved to Canada, who don't mind that you don't necessarily, you know, have, like, the full grasp of the English language yet, I don't know if anyone truly has the full grasp of the English language, but, um, but yeah, like, I just... oh, me too. Yeah, um, but yeah, like, just being aware that there are people who will make friends with you, there are people who will help you, you know, in your new country. How about you, Epstein? Do you have any advice?
0: I, yeah, well, I want to build off of what you said first because I also agree in the sense that never underestimate how unique you are to a culture that a culture to a country that kind of applauds multiculturalism and that likes to see different people being represented um, to the best of our current ability, I should say, because it's not always the case, but not speaking a language, speaking a different language, not being part mm-hmm. of this culture, kind of also puts you in advantage in many, in many senses because people want to learn about you, like you were saying. And I had a friend in first year of university. She was a language major. believe that's yes language major so not speaking in english was her forte and she adored anyone (laughs) that didn't greet her with like a hello you know so you can definitely find people like that whether you're in high school whether university there will be people that are drawn to you and not in a weird kind of sense but just in a way that they want to know about you and they want not only that also like help you You know, because we were, our last podcast here, we talked with Louisa Mastawa. She is one of our our members from Inspiring Youth. And she had mentioned how she really struggled with the idea of teachers that didn't help her out when she first got here because she had moved to the more north part of Canada and so coming from there to Ontario was like a huge shift in how teachers approached her as well so another thing you brought up as well and I think that is so important and I think because they are such authority figures you kind of forget that hey they had a backstory as well we all kind of started from the same place
1: yeah I mean so I personally live in a community that is more than 50 percent immigrants um so like you know throughout middle school elementary school high school um most of my classmates were recent immigrants because it you know as you get towards the younger population more of them have immigrated here but we also had a lot of teachers who were immigrants and I feel like that is that's so important to be able to sort of provide that role or to sort of fill that role for a young person largely because you know if you're A child or if you're a young person and you just moved to this country your parents have probably also just moved to this country unless you're like here alone but um you you know your parents absolutely still still are authority figures over you but they're also in you know a new unfamiliar situation um and i think it's good to have an adult sort of in that role who can sort of help you acclimatize to canada in a way that I think, you know, your parents just just can't always fill that role for you.
0: Yeah, because they're learning alongside you, right? So you kind hmm. of, where representation is important, but also is someone that can help you in the same manner. I agree. What do you think would be some other struggles they might face when they come to Canada?
1: That's a good question. I'm going to hop on. Really quick to my healthcare system train. Yes. Um, so I've been working in healthcare for just over three years now. Access to healthcare is a really big problem for recent immigrants, largely because it can be a little bit confusing to get a health card in Ontario. It can be really difficult to get acclimatized to sort of Ontario's health care system. Very difficult to get like a primary care physician. Um, you know, a lot of family doctors aren't even accepting new patients. I know this is like pretty specific, but I feel like that is a major struggle. And it is definitely a major struggle, at least in my experience and from what I've seen, for young people who are moving to Canada with their parents, because, you know, if you speak the language a little bit better than your parents you might be sort of in charge of getting your family's health cards, right? And that's got to be scary to take on that responsibility when you're young. Yeah, like honestly, I I can give you the the rundown on how to get a health card um, as a recent immigrant, but yeah, overall, there's just not a whole lot of resources on that.
0: Yeah, and that's a really good example you brought up because just relating it back to the topic of introversion and extroversion, where you kind of need to ask for help. When you don't know the language, you're probably going to ask for help a little bit more than, for example, me trying to read over taxes and translate for my dad, which is very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. But just simple things like asking for help, whether you're, you know, as we talked about, trying to get the healthcare system working for you, or even just mm-hmm. you're in school and you need help with finding a resource in the library. All this comes down to speaking, interacting with other people, and that can be very, very challenging if you if you don't know the language well, or you don't perceive yourself to know the language well.
1: Yeah, I also like not to, you know, pivot the conversation onto sort of Canadians who were born here, but I feel like as someone who was born in Canada i've seen a lot of other people who are born in canada who sort of like don't have any patience with you know people who are new here or who are just learning the language and like genuinely that is so ridiculous i feel like you know we do have kind of a responsibility to be nice and to be patient with people who weren't born here you know like i didn't choose to be born here i just happened to be born here it doesn't sort of grant me special privileges and exceptions or shouldn't you know like it's it's not a choice that I made so you know if if there is anyone else listening to this who you know who was born in Canada like I you know I do hope you have some patience for you know your recent immigrant friends and I hope you know I hope you are able to help them acclimatize into Canada
0: yeah A really nice point you made, I also have immigrant parents I wasn't born here but I grew up here I came here when I was about three years old so I didn't go through the process of you know learning the language the way most immigrant kids did do so for me it was more something I just picked up on going to going to school going to secondary all that stuff the back of my head like my parents are always there they've just recently both of them started to become more comfortable with speaking in english mm-hmm. my mom has an office job she's always talking to someone and her english has improved so much and she's you know she's talking to me in english a lot oh, wow. yeah and so <laughs> I, i'm to be more proud of her but like i also remember the struggle it was for her to get to this point point. and even if you are new to not new to Canada, even if you're born here, you spent your entire life here, and you're surrounded by other people, you've got to know someone. If you need to use them as a form of extending empathy, do it. Because everyone can use a little more kindness in their life.
1: Oh, I absolutely agree. Yeah.
0: On the topic of meeting new people, this kind of goes back to the question I asked you before, but what is one thing One conversation you would like to have with someone who doesn't speak your language.
1: Well, that'd be kind of difficult. (laughs) Um, I'm kidding. I guess, I don't know. One conversation I would like to have with someone who doesn't speak my language. Honestly, like, in what vein were you thinking?
0: Honestly, be creative.
1: One conversation I would like to have with someone who doesn't speak my language, it would honestly probably be about different cultures personally I have not traveled outside of Canada a whole lot largely because I was 17 when COVID started um so I did not get a whole lot of opportunities um I'm hoping to someday but I don't know I'm just really interested in the fact that you know there are so many other people and so many other cultures out there and sort of so many other ways of being that I don't know anything about and well you know I'm glad to live in Canada and I like living here it's it's just so and this is gonna sound really stupid because yes of course there are other people on the planet but I don't know it's just always so interesting to me to know how different other places are in such small ways
0: well you stole my answer I'm sorry <laughs> that was a good answer on your end for me, it would have to be about food. Mm. Like, I've always loved food. And in the same way that there are so many cultures in the world, those cultures have their own dishes or the way they even prepare food. And I find that so interesting as someone who likes food and kind of needs it to survive. As many do. Yeah. <laughs> but this just goes to show, like, there are so many different ways you can bond with someone. It doesn't have to be over you know, your own culture, you can always cross-reference, right? Like, that's always been a thing. Again, I keep drawing it back to hockey, because I like hockey, or at least I did. I, I like hockey, you might like some other part of your culture, like, we can find something in common, right? And if you can't, work on it.
1: Honestly, that's so, that's so true. Yesterday, I was watching this show on YouTube, it's this guy who's like, you know, eating his way across Asia. I can't remember his name, but it's a really cool show. And it was really cool because he's up in the mountains in, I think it was Vietnam. And he's like, you know, these two women are showing him how they make this dish. And, you know, they cook they cook rice and they bring like, you know, they toast sesame seeds and everything. And then they bring it over to their neighbor's house and they borrow like their neighbor's sort of like mortar and pestle. And they just like pound the hell out of this rice, right? But I thought, I don't know. I just thought it was so cool. Like, they're living, you know, a a life that's completely different from mine in really every conceivable way, but they're still sort of, like, going over to their neighbor's house to borrow cooking implements that they do not have. I have had my neighbor's um, pasta maker for about two years now. I've been trying to return it. Haven't returned it yet.
0: It's fine. Are we getting you in trouble right now?
1: (laughs) No. Depends on if my neighbor is listening to this, but... (laughs) But I don't know, I feel like I feel like food can really bring us together, you know and like when I was saying, you know the ways in sort of small things in other countries can be so different. they can also be so similar. Mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah, I was watching um, Gordon Ramsey's Uncharted the other day and I believe it was the Himalayas he went up to and so he was the premise of the show is he goes to fam- unfamiliar places to him and he learns how to cook their food and kind of the the way in which they prepare it so in this particular episode they were making guinea pigs oh <laughs> and to me watching i was like i'm not gonna lie i was a little taken back in the beginning <laughs> but this is what people do to survive and if you think about it there's nothing weird in that it's just we've domesticated guinea pigs here but that's not the case everywhere else
1: it also makes me think about how there are, there are a lot of cultures out there that, you know, don't view pork as food, mm-hmm. right? Like it's two, two that I can really think of is, you know, Muslims and Jewish people can't eat pork. But I was reading sort of an article about how, you know, fake pork is a thing now. Like, you know that beyond meat, beyond mm-hmm. pork. And it was, you know, this Muslim person and this Jewish person talking about, well, how, you know, even if it's vegetarian pork, they just culturally don't view pork as food. It's just not something that you eat. And I was kind of thinking about that, and I was like, you know, if I if I could eat like vegetarian horse meat or something, would I? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> so it, I don't know. It's just so interesting because pork is such like a normal thing, at least you know, in my own culture. Like it's you know one of the sort of staple meats, but there are other cultures that just don't view it as a normal meat. And surely that applies to us, too. Like, there's so many meats that are so normal in other cultures that we never eat.
0: But see, look at us having conversations about two cultures that we don't actually, like, partake in. Yeah, that's true. And I think what's so interesting is because of... Oh, my God, I feel like such an old person when I say this. But because of the global age of technology, (laughs) so many people have a broader sense of the world outside of their own now, where even if you go up to someone and you feel like they might know nothing about your culture, chances are nowadays, they probably have a good, not a great, they probably don't know like the ins and outs of it, but they probably have enough knowledge to kind of sustain a conversation with you. So I would say take that and and run with it. Like that is my advice to you. And even if they don't know anything about your culture, the more of a chance you have to really blow their mind.
1: Yeah, no, that's honestly so true. When, one of the things my granddad really likes about living in Canada, right, because um, he's from Scotland, is he really liked sort of the multiculturalism. He So he grew up in like a relatively sort of small town in Scotland and he had never met another like non-Scottish person until he was my age. Like, I can't imagine. <laughs> right? But it's, it's just something that we really don't think about in this day and age, like the lack of exposure that sort of the lack of exposure to other cultures that people would have had for technology.
0: So speaking from the experiences of my parents, I know that some of the most difficult things for them to get over in terms of, of getting out of their comfort zone and being okay with speaking and asking for help was for my mom in particular taking the driving test
1: mm-hmm. and I
0: guess to kind of generalize it to take to generalize it even further actually to do stuff that you need for your future but you don't have the resources to ask for help And if that made any sense Did that make sense
1: yeah no it does like I honestly I hadn't really sort of thought about that angle or that lens of you know you come to Canada you still have to do stuff. And I feel like the driving test is such an anxiety-inducing thing because it's not like, you know, going to get your health card or, you know, going to get your car registered. Mm-hmm. Like, in those other ways that you're sort of interacting with the government, you're doing something. And the government is like, well, is this good enough?
0: Yeah. And not only are you doing something, you're doing something that is so complex and has so many rules and regulations in place for it.
1: Well, there are also rules and regulations that are so country-specific, right? Like, yeah. well, yeah, like, I... I know Quebec is the same country. I'm aware Quebec is the same country, but um, we went to Quebec. You can't turn right on a red light. You can't turn right on red. It's such a it's such a small thing that's so normal in Ontario. In Quebec, you're gonna get arrested, right? And that, oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, um, okay. Do I speak French? Yes. Do I speak French well? No. Um, and it's gotta be like so much more anxiety inducing if, you know, you don't speak the dominant language well. I mean, imagine, you know, you break some su- like such a small rule of the road and then bam, you know? Yeah. Well, I think- Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I've never okay. been arrested in Quebec. I've never been arrested in Quebec. I promise. Okay.
0: <laughs> a little security check on you, Vanessa, but I totally miss my opportunity to be like Quebec's. Part of our country right now. <laughs> oh dear.
1: <laughs> well, wow. it's so, are you the Bloc Québécois like
0: <laughs>
1: candidate in your area?
0: <laughs> are you debating whether we want to join
1: or not. <laughs> Ooh. We? I don't know. That's about as much French as I know. But
0: clearly, is still more than me. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> oh God. But this kind of goes back to this idea of you gotta, it's, it's so nerve-wracking, and as someone who, like, did not have to go through the process of learning English, the way most immigrants do, I still struggled with the concept of asking for help from even peers, (laughs) and maybe that's because I'm introverted, Uh going back to that whole thing, but asking for help, and I think, I don't know if it's this, this way of showing people that you don't know something, that you might not know something well enough to do it properly, or just this fear in general of not knowing, that is so terrifying, even to this day, to be honest.
1: I feel like the first step, whenever you're asking for help, has to be, you know, admitting that you're wrong, admitting that you've done something wrong, or that you've been doing something wrong. And I mean, even for me, as like a very extroverted person, I hate admitting that I'm wrong. And I certainly do not want other people to know that I am wrong. Like they can think I'm right all the time because I am. And (laughs) like, I, it's, it's gotta be so much worse when you're here, you know, as a newcomer and you don't necessarily completely know the language yet because it is kind of, I don't think it should be embarrassing to ask for help, but it can be, especially if you're asking for help consistently, because, you know, if you've just come to Canada, there are so many things you could need help with, Um, yeah, that's got to be difficult.
0: And trying new things, what do you think is the most difficult thing about learning how to sew, for example?
1: Um, Well, probably going to use a different analogy, because I learned to sew when I was very little. Although in all honesty, the most difficult part about learning how to sew is learning to not, if you're sewing using a machine, don't sew your hair to whatever you're sewing. You got to tie your hair up. On a different and more more philosophical note, um, I think the most difficult thing about learning something new, and I'm going to use art because I went to high school for visual arts and I have not known visual arts my whole life. It has been a rough journey. The most difficult thing is that there's going to be someone who's better than you. You know, there's going to be someone in my art class, who does better art than me, and the teacher likes their art better than mine. And the teacher's like, oh, that's such great art. And they're like, oh, it was nothing. And I'm sitting over here with my crappy little painting. And I'm like, do you like my art too? And they're like, well, you could have done better. And I'm like, okay. And that—that that is the most difficult thing because I feel like when you're learning a new thing or having a new experience, you are very much putting yourself out there. And I think that makes you a little bit more sensitive to rejection. Inevitably the problem is, right, when you're learning something new, you're learning. So if you don't get, you know, feedback or constructive criticism, then you're not really learning. So it's kind of a catch twenty-two, right? You you need to be criticized a little bit, but at the same time, that's rejection and you know, you're extra sensitive to rejection when you're trying something new. So that I would say that is by far the most difficult part of learning something new.
0: Would you sum that up as just being uncomfortable?
1: Yes. Yeah. But in a a much more specific way, I would say.
0: Yeah. Also, 10 out of 10, that is exactly how art school went down for me as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation is something, it's like you said, it's so hard to wrap your mind around because it's going to help you so much more than if you were just to continue to do whatever you have been doing. Yeah. Be harder to learn a language, for example.
1: Oh God. I, this is some fun advice for anyone who's new to Canada. People who speak French are so mean and so- not, <laughs> so mean, um, and it's not, it's not like they're intentionally being mean. That's just how the French language is. They're so mean. Um, I learned French when I was younger. I did French immersion. I learned French. My cousins are from Quebec. I, I learned French. People are so mean. When you're learning French, you're like speaking French, and they're like, stop, it's fine, I'll speak English. <laughs> uh, a lot of people that speak different languages do that.
0: They're like, oh and maybe not even because of that reason, but they're like, I want to practice my English on you. Like, yeah. I mm-hmm. stories about, you know, Canadians or Americans that go over to Asia, for example. This happens a lot in the stories <laughs> that I've heard, where they'll be like, oh, prime time to learn English from you.
1: <laughs> You're like, wait,
0: well, you no, know, I need to do it too.
1: <laughs> oh, I know, I, um. oh God, I know people who go to like, I think it's the Netherlands, mm-hmm. and they want to practice like learning a new language, but everyone over there speaks English anyway. And like, they don't want to hear you butcher their language. So it's so hard to learn because you never get to practice.
0: <laughs> a list of what they want to see today. But okay, to summarize, we have established that you must get outside of your comfort zone, that you should try to have nice teachers.
1: Try your best.
0: And don't go to art school because teachers are very biased.
1: Do go to arts. I enjoyed art school and I think everyone should go to art school, but also I was bad at art at the beginning and then I got good at art and then I got better. So, don't go to art school because it's kind of a waste of money, but <laughs> it's nice to learn a new skill, right?
0: <laughs> but I don't want to get too much into our high school experience because I believe it will be coming soon in a future podcast episode.
1: Can but we do, like, photos of us from high school? Can we, like, include that as part of the episode?
0: If you want to. I'm not including my pictures, but... oh.
1: I've got the greasiest hair, every single photo of me in high school. I don't even know why.
0: Okay, now I need to sit up as oh, well. So, this episode. I,
1: I don't think you do.
0: <laughs> but that okay. is another episode of Inspiring Youth Talks. Vanessa, do you have any last words for our newcomers to Canada?
1: My best words for you would be good luck. luck. It'd be great.
0: Good luck. <laughs> I have some words as well. While moving to a new country, not being comfortable with your language skills or even your innate qualities such as introversion or extroversion might seem like it's an obstacle in the grand scheme of life. It's these obstacles that give us the stories to tell when we're older and advice that keeps us forever young in the hearts of those we choose to help. So thank you for tuning in, and if you've enjoyed this episode, stick around because next time we talk about the importance of shared beliefs and community. I want you all to remember to be the change and inspire the youth. Thanks for listening, and until next time.